as I said, good morning to you all, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to tell you about one of my favourite photos of all time. Now, I didn't have the presence of mind to take a photo of it, so I can't show it to you. But I'm just wondering if I can try and describe it. So, and maybe it would be helpful if you close your eyes, maybe just to picture this. So, it's a it's a picture of two students. They were at school. They were doing a leadership camp. So they're all kind of in their civvies. They're in their like walking jeans. It's like a camping camp where we've got tents. You've got to set things up. And we see the photo. There's two of them. They've each got their own backpack. And they're sharing, holding one handle each of a even bigger pack, like a gear bag, presumably which has a tent or some food and some other things that they'll need for, for camping. And they're walking up a hill. The, the photo is kind of like looking at them walking away from the camera. They've got their backpacks on. They've got the sun protection. That's the photo. You can open your eyes now. I don't know. Did that work? <laughs> to me, it's a perfect picture of the body of Christ. We all have our own stuff on our backs. We bring, we bring in ourselves. We're working out who we are and our identity. We've, we've got our families. But also, we've got to help to carry the other equipment needed for our new life in Christ. We're all connected to this common purpose and mission. One of my favourite pictures of community in the Bible is the picture of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, you've all heard it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Romans goes even further, get this, like Romans chapter 12, same chapter, amazing. So in Christ, though many form, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. In the Amplified Version, it says each member belongs to all the other parts. Parts of, parts, one of another, in brackets, mutually dependent on each other. We are not our own. I want us to feel the weight of this. <laughs> and I'm conscious that uh, even, even coming to worship this morning, we've got a lot of things with us. <laughs> some, of, some people, we've just had a conversation on the way in. I know there's lots of things to consider and some of us are tired and, and I get that. But this is profoundly a big shake-up for me when I'm reading this. In my quest for independence and security and pride and proving myself and becoming a man who can handle himself. This really challenges me. I think our culture is subtly pushing us more and more away from each other in some ways. But the scriptural model is the other way around, toward each other. And not just toward each other, connected with each other. Anyone feeling uncomfortable? <laughs> and even in this sense, look at this background picture here of Christ as the head of the church and be with the church like we're all side by side. That's not accurate to that extent. If we're connected with each other, how do we illustrate that? <laughs> 
In his Life Together book, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I don't know if you heard of him, German theologian, martyred in the Second World War, writes, his first point is, we don't form community as Christians, we join community. That was a revelation for me. I, you know, I thought it was up to me. Got to form, do these activities, work really hard to bring people together. We don't form community, we join community in Christ. When we put our faith in him, we and a group of others, we probably wouldn't choose if the choice was ours, to be honest, wouldn't we? Like some of the people you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we begin this transformative journey together to become one in Christ, in the flesh. Which raises the question, <laughs> what do we do when we have a falling out with one of the people? Do we move on to the next church? Because by definition, it's the same place. <laughs> so, let's jump to 1 Thessalonians 4. Just two verses I want to consider this morning. And uh, perhaps you know me, I've like, I had, I had, I had 12, 12 verses that I want to have up there, but I mean, we'd be here for a while, so <laughs> let's just do two. This is what I think God is calling us to consider today, this one here. Now, about your love. Oh, sorry, before we read that. So just a bit of background. Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. You can see in Acts 17, uh, in Paul's second missionary journey, he's, that's where the one he got imprisoned with Silas. And the next major stop was Thessalonica formerly the big metropolis of Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece. Paul had preached there and he'd seen conversions from the Jewish people into Christianity and many um, Gentiles as, as well. But in that, that caused a riot in the city. Turmoil and trouble, says one version. And they had to leave by night in secret. Timothy was also on the trip and though they were separated for a while... The beginning of the letter is from Paul, Silas and Timothy, the th three of the greats. And it's thought to be Paul's first letter to the churches, somewhere between 30 and 51 AD, so like only 20, 30 years after Christ. So this is what it says. Now, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9, 10. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. I don't know, Paul, Paul reinforces the fame of the Thessalonian church for its love and faith, particularly in the midst of persecution. In the beginning of the book as well. It's here in this verse. Similarly, I guess when I was reading this, and I'm getting to know you more and more in this role, and I'm greatly encouraged by you and your maturity and heart and humility and faith and generosity and grace and most of all love 
This passage reminded me of you and our community in many ways. Except for the persecution part, probably. <laughs> like, I mean, I think we're experiencing that right now in our culture, in our time. Maybe some of you have in your, in your life. But call, Paul is calling for more and more. How does that sit? <laughs> um, he says the same thing in verse 1 of the same chapter. In verse 12 of the previous chapter, more and more and increasing. In other places, it's that word for abounding in love, more and more excess, overflowing. So this is the question and hence the title today. How do we more and more in the body of Christ, especially this love part? Us, us today. The church, you and I, redeemed flesh and blood humans, a glimpse of heaven on earth. Someone else has written small working models of restored life. Living and flourishing through happy times and sometimes painful years. But still, we're living for Christ. We, we, us with a new identity as a person and corporately as the church. And I mean the church, the Christian church, not just Emerge Church, but we are part of the church. Remember back, back here in, Philipp, in Philippi or Thessalonica, there was no denominations. It was, we we're part of the church. We, with a new purpose. Before, our interest was mostly inward and self-consumed, but now we've been transformed. We have, sure, we have an inward view, but we also now are looking outward to others and upwards to God. We have 2,000 years of New Testament Christian history and momentum, cloud of witnesses. Old Testament before that, God's revealing of his story and love for people in this arc of time. We have more access to Bible and ministry education than ever before. And we live in a time of both challenge and privilege that has yet been seen in our history as humans. We have a plan. Christ, the cornerstone head of the church, servant leaders, edifying the body, everyone doing their part and finding their place. We have a command in that plan. It's go and make disciples. We got the building materials. We got grace. The word. I forgot to bring my hard copy Bible, as Pastor Joe said last week. We've got the Trinity God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That sets apart Christianity as a religion. That right there, our Trinity God. We've got spiritual gifts. We've got natural talents. We've got personality and each other, the wider body. Is that enough? <laughs> so today, as, I, as we look at the rest of this, uh, I just want to make it really practical. What, what, what does it look like exactly to love more and more in our time and place? Is it like, is it more and more character? Is that what Paul's asking? Mm, probably. 
is it more and more as in the quality of our love? I think so. Is it more and more as in uh, quantity of activity? Uh, for me, jury's still out on that one. I'm not. <laughs> is it more and more distance? Like, how do we grow our, foot, our missions footprint? Probably. <laughs> but let me, let me try and answer some of those questions, or I hope you've got some thoughts. In fact, I can hear some of your thoughts. Chris. I, I don't have time for any more. I get up and I leave for work at 6.30 and regularly I'm not home till 6 at night. I've got three kids. We've got sport. We've got music. We've got parents. We've got homework. How the heck do I fit all that in without collapsing? Right. Or it may be, Chris, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm getting older. I can't get around as much anymore. And you're asking me to do more? This, I agree, it's certainly a challenging space and it's a challenging question. But I, I wonder if we can just sit with that together this morning for a couple of minutes and make some space to, to wrestle with it. Is that okay? How do we make space for more love? Especially if love is spelt T-I-M-E. As I've said, I don't have a 30-second Insta reel with the answer. <laughs> or, Chris, can you just give me the summary page, really? Like, <laughs> this is the journey. This is the responsibility that's been laid at our feet as church. So here's my suggestions. Step one, more and more in the body of Christ, start on your knees. Start on your knees. Prayer, yes. Bible, yes. But also in reverence as a human, fully alive. How is your whole life going? Spiritual, yes. But socially, family-wise, friendships, emotions, finances, career, leisure, rest, how is the sum of all the parts? Maybe, have you done a mini life check in recently? <laughs> Chris, I'm so busy. <laughs> I don't have time for that. <laughs> I can help you though if you game. Start on your knees, that's step one. Step two, more and more in the body of Christ, start at home. Start with your spouse and your kids or your parents. Or your grandkids, how is the garden of your marriage family going? Please tell me. You know your spouse's love language at least. <laughs> and you're speaking it. Step three, there's some basics. We're going to put them up in a second, but... I'm conscious there's a lot of, lot of things to think about. So I just, again, no, no pressure today. Just want us to listen and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What's he nudging us with? Even if it's just one thing. He may have already spoken to you already today. 
The good news is that this love of his is not just something that he commands us to do. It's a gift from him to us. In the last verse of uh, verse 12 of the previous chapter, he says, May the Lord make your love increase. It's like he's saying, here, here's my love. What can you do with that? He gifts us his love first. It's not like we have to go finding it. That's the good news. So here we go, five tips. I think I've called it five tips. Yeah, more and more. Number one, connect. Woo! <laughs> That's not all that. Okay, life group. Okay, I'm a pastor. I'm just going to say that. Go to, get, get into a life group. <laughs> get connected that way. From Yongi Cho in Korea to modern psychological and neuroscience research, connection helps people live longer and be in better health. It's not a biggie. It's the hidden gem of people, life group. I heard one, people, one person say, I'm visiting life groups to get to know who's who and who's where. I heard one person say, I found a new family when I moved to Brisbane here in this group. Pastor Mark and Nina have talked about that this connection, connection is one of our key values as a church. That's why we keep talking about it. <laughs> connect. Men, we've got a, an opportunity to connect next Wednesday night for meat. It's, meat's just there so we can connect. <laughs> you know that, don't you? <laughs> no, that's not true. I love meat. But there's so many other connection points. In, in, our, in the life of our church, you've got youth, young ads, young families, playgroup, art and craft, know your Bible, sensory morning tea, certificate for a ministry and training. Like, the list goes on. I'm just going to read you a couple of quotes because I can't say it any better. <laughs> Shane Willard, a friend of the house. Nothing skews our view of reality like loneliness. Paul Tripp, I need corporate worship. I need to be reminded of the truths of the gospel in that worship. But I need something else as well. I need to hear my brothers and sisters sing the gospel into my ears. I need my dull heart awakened by their voices again. I'm going to read you a few words from a book. I want you to try and guess which decade you think the book was written in. We seek a private house, a private means of transportation, a private garden, a private laundry, self-service stores, and do-it-yourself training of every kind. We seek more and more privacy and feel more alienated and lonely when we get it. We less and less often meet our fellow humans to share and exchange and more and more often encounter them as an impediment or a nuisance, making the highway crowded when we are rushing somewhere, cluttering and littering the beach or the park, pushing in front of us at the supermarket, taking the last parking space, because we have cut off so much communication with each other, we keep bumping into each other and thus a higher and higher percentage 
of our interpersonal contacts are abrasive. Nineteen seventy. So the question here is, what is it that's stopping us from connecting regularly? Number two, greet. Obvious. <laughs> Similar to connecting, but I want to say specific encouragement for us when we come to meet. We're pretty good at this, I think, which is why I want to bold type it. But sometimes when things are so obvious, we forget them. <laughs> we just get so routine. Like, I have been... I'll get to that story later. Greeting sets up a friendly mood and a safe place right from the start when we say hello to people. Or smiling. If we don't feel like talking, at least smile. (laughs) It's just as powerful. Or an eyebrow flash. (laughs) Hey, people at home. It's as easy as that. (laughs) I've been trying to smile more just walking through the shops and see what sort of response I get. I get some smiles back. A few eyebrow flashes. And others look at me blankly and go, I can see their thoughts. What the heck are you on? (laughs) Dare I say it. Can we come to our worship together early? And not stay in our seat. And not wait. Go on and say hello to someone. Say hello to someone who's sitting on their own. Or during the week, call or text one person during the week if you're in a life group. Or if you're not in a life group, who can you call and text and say hello? Just checking in. Just checking in, thinking about how you're going and praying for you. How's things? Easy, yeah? Number three, hospitality. Who does not like to eat? We, we, uh, as a church, helped provide a morning tea at Bray Park State State School a couple of Fridays ago, the end of the day. um, We just got some feedback that was, was, the start of the year was pretty tough and the idea that just having an afternoon tea at the end of the week may just be a great way to connect with for staff. And so we did. We helped with uh, Rivers Baptist Church. We provided afternoon tea. And that's what happened. The end of the week, staff came from their classrooms and just, you could, you could like a sigh of relief, say, oh, so good to share. And the catalyst was food. There's something about food that a dining room or a lounge room or a a barbecue area or a picnic space that disarms people. My neighbours used to do Friday afternoon drinks on their lawn. I regret not going over there more. I've learned during this week about Shona culture in Zimbabwe and other southern African countries. It's a cultural phenomenon that says our relationships are hardly complete unless we partake of a meal together. It's that important. There's a hole between us unless we eat together and food fills that hole. When we eat together, we are a family. Also in Asia, makan, makan. 
means time to eat. And it's not just a one-dish dinner, right? There's tables of food everywhere. We cannot gather and not have food, says the culture. Maybe those of us from more white traditions could afford to slow down and eat a bit more purposefully like that. Michael Frost, an Australian missional leader, suggests that the table ought to be the primary symbol of the Christian gathering. It represents hospitality, inclusivity, generosity, and grace. Maybe, I know one of our members during the week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, put out just an informal Facebook post, hey, come over for dinner, I'm cooking. Maybe we need to do more of that. And look, please hear me. I'm just repeating. I've seen all of this in practice, so I'm I'm trying to encourage you. Keep doing this. Like, for example, our post-service atmosphere here, like when people are staying around and talking, or let's do lunch, or let's go to dinner. KFC, isn't it, after worship and something like that? Yeah? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Tell me. (laughs) Number four. Beg. Okay, this is a bit cryptic. (laughs) This is a bit cryptic. (laughs) How do we do more and more in our time? 21st century hyperactive culture. BEG stands for bless, encourage, and give. Bless, encourage, give. It's so obvious that I need to remind myself how important it is. They all blend together, so it's hard to define each one, but I'm talking about words, actions, surprises, thinking of people without them prompting you, going the extra mile, paying it forward at the cafe or the drive-through. Ask my son Ryan about his experience of paying it forward. Or encourage your boss at work. Like a social media post. It's probably the only time I'll ever say that. Simply laughing with people at their humour is precious. Bless, encourage, give. I texted a mate last week. He's got some difficult things happening in his life. And these are the words, not to big note myself, but I just thought, this is what I'm talking about. Mate, just to honour you as a great man and leader. Taking responsibility where others didn't and shouldering burdens and leading conversations in such an emotional and difficult time as this. Bless you. Be begging takes us to each other and shifts us out of self-mode into others' mode. What can you do to bless, encourage and give? Last one in this section. (laughs) Serve. Serving. You know, scripturally, we are all host team and service team. Even if you don't have a T-shirt. Right? Serving and hosting people is everywhere in the scriptures. It's in this picture of Christ's bodies. Funnily, Funnily enough, neuroscience research these days about volunteering and giving shows how good it is for humans. Funnily. How does that work? 
you know, I was out riding this week and uh, we came to a section where the, the ride, like the bike path was fenced on one side. And 100 metres down the track, there's this runner coming towards me, so I'm riding. And so I, I turn off the path to get on the grass to let him have the path. And just at exactly the same time, he steps off the path so I could ride on the path. We kind of smiled at each other. I, I sort of steered more towards the grass to say, hey, you can have the path. And I thought, this is what we're talking about. That's preferring others over ourselves. That's like, you first. No, no, you first. No, no, you first. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. Is this okay? Thank you. Because I'm not finished. Because <laughs> I also need to mention an elephant in the room, right? Something that comes up when we talk about increasing or expanding. Maybe you've been in a business or a family where things have grown. To grow and get bigger, something usually has to shang. Oh, sorry, I find it really hard to pronounce this word. To grow, I'll just make it bigger. To grow and get bigger, something usually has to kahungi. Oh, man. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, it's really hard to leave some things behind. You, you know what I'm trying to say, don't you? Like, to grow and get bigger, something usually has to change. Thank you for your patience. For some reasons, we humans find lasting change very hard. <laughs> so thankfully, the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us daily. Oh, we couldn't do it without that. But at the same time, we are urged to put things into practice. Remember the wise and foolish builders, the, one, the wise one hears Jesus' words and puts them into practice. Something changes. Because behaviour is the last part of the assembly line for a human. If we want to change our behaviour, we have to go back into the factory upstairs and look at our beliefs and our values that we formed over the years and ask some serious questions to start to crowbar out that old thinking. <laughs> so, this is the last bit. Maybe these are four reframes that we could look at in our life. Old thinking to new thinking. Could we move from consumerism to community? That church must be on our terms, like shopping. It's, I'll buy when I'm ready and I'll buy what I want to buy my way, thanks. That's consumerism. Guess where the focus is? It's where we hear comments like, oh, I just didn't think the worship was that good this morning. It's so easy to come to church. Actually, even that phrase <laughs> takes the onus off us. We are the church. <laughs> I'm trying to change my language to, okay, I'm going to come to worship. Uh, splitting hairs. I'm trying to get myself into a new frame. Rather than you deliver me some goods model of buying and selling, 
can we move to, I deliver myself to you. Let's share life together. Frame. This is the body of Christ. Moving from, I want to be filled to, I want to be a filler. How can I serve? How can I encourage? How can I bless, encourage, give? Number two, could we shift from charisma to character? The stage is not the only gauge. That tendency to compare others, ourselves to others and think we have to perform a certain way, dress in a particular fashion, say cool things, post regularly, I don't know, what other things are there? Our wider culture is great at focusing on the spotlight of celebrities and influences where the life of Jesus calls us is more personal. It leads us to questions like this. What is really happening in the deep flow of our life? Who are we when no one's watching? What's happening below the waterline? Look, please, please hear me. Like if you're... If you're a fairly charismatic person, I'm not slighting you at all. That, that personality trait is a gift. I'm asking the question, how can we as the body of Christ exhort each other to stronger, honest, dependable character? Number three, could we shift from passive to proactive? Gospel love implores us to move first. For God so loved the world that he did something about our lostness. God moved first. The entire book of Thessalonians and other letters were the result of Paul moving out with the gospel, prayerfully prompted. It's asking to be involved rather than waiting to be asked. For example, when we're meeting together, can you see yourself as the inviter? The inviter into a conversation or to a morning tea or to come and sit with us. That is my job. That is our job to help people find belonging here. Start something. Invite a few people around. What common interests? I know people are meeting around food. But what about fishing? Arts, crafts, music, kids and play, gaming, singing, hiking, camp. I don't know, the list goes on forever. The quick question is, what's stopping you from being proactive? Last one. Could we shift from talker to listener? Listening is a ministry. Totally underestimated, I think. When we meet together, sure, say hello, but we are also growing an awareness of ourselves and our influence in a conversation. So today's tip for free. Use open questions more than closed questions. Closed questions are those which ask for a yes or no answer. We want to lean towards open questions that allow people to feel free to think and answer more fully. So not, so you're going good? 
You've got to say yes or no. Or worse, so you're going good, yeah? You're answering for them. <laughs> Maybe, so how are you going? Notice there's also tone, nonverbals, all that other stuff with listening. How can we be the people who have the time and space to listen to an answer? How can we be people who have the time and space to listen to the answer to a question like that? Maybe if the band could come and please help us. Several centuries ago in a mountain village in Europe, an aging Christian nobleman of some wealth wondered what legacy he could leave to his townspeople. He decided to build them a church. No one was permitted to see the plans or the inside of the church until it was finished. At its grand opening, the people gathered and marveled at the beauty of this new church and everything had been thought of and included it was a masterpiece, truly beautiful to the eye. But then someone said, hey, wait a minute, where are the lamps? It's really quite dark in here. How will we see at night? How will the church be lit? The nobleman pointed to some brackets in the walls and he gave each family a lamp which they were to bring with them each time they came to worship. <laughs> each time you are here, the nobleman said, the place where you are seated will be lit. This is to remind you that whenever you fail to come to church, some part of God's house will be dark. Your spot in the body of Christ is shaped with your distinct, personal, one-of-a-kind outline. It's not about coming to church, but it is also about coming to church. <laughs> Christ has saved us, you, and your life to take your place amongst us and in Him to love more and more. Can I call you and me up one more rung in the ladder this morning? To more and more in the body of Christ. If you look into the second letter of Thessalonians, in the third verse, the very third verse, Paul says this. He affirms that in, I'll show you what he says in a minute. He affirms that indeed God in His grace and the people in their perseverance have continued to grow. There it is. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Let that be said of us, please, Lord. 